Welcome to Demystifying Aged Care, your insider's guide to navigating the aged care journey. Hello, I'm Graham Mabry and welcome to another episode of Demystifying Aged Care, where we delve into what matters most to you when it comes to ageing and what it means to age well. Deciding to seek some help around the house as we get older or to move into residential aged care is a big decision. So it's not surprising that our demystifying aged care listeners have plenty of questions. From the money side of things to waiting lists, lifestyle and activities, whether there's 24-hour care if it's needed, we know there's a lot to think about. So we've invited into the studio today two people who we're sure will have the answers. Duncan Guy is the customer care manager for aged care provider Baptist Care. It's one of WA's largest not-for-profit providers of residential care, home care services and retirement living. For the past few years, Duncan has been running free information sessions designed to take the mystery out of aged care. There probably isn't a question he hasn't heard, so welcome, Duncan. Also joining me is the Chief Executive Officer of Baptist Care, Russell Bricknell. Russell is, of course, across all aspects of aged care when it comes to helping WA seniors lead happy, healthy, connected and meaningful lives. Welcome, Russell. And Russell, if I can start with you, uh, you are leading this one of one of WA's largest organisations, but you, I know at the heart of what you believe is that recognising each person as an individual is central. Absolutely. And it's not just a person with their care needs, it's also about their emotional and their spiritual needs as well. So what we do in Baptist Care is is look at the whole person and how we might provide care and support around them. Okay, that that, uh, leads us to individuals who have contacted us and we love you to respond to these podcasts with your questions or comments. And Duncan, our first question comes from Melanie who says, my father is 85 and still living independently with home care support. I'm worried that when it comes time for him to move into residential care, he won't be able to get into his preferred facility. Melanie asks, can you explain how waiting lists work? Is a long waiting list the sign of a good facility? And can you register a place with an aged care facility well before your loved one actually needs to move into care? Yeah, there's some really good questions and ones that we get um, really quite often. So mm. I really recommend conducting research in ideal locations. So obviously, um, quite often where the, your loved one's residence might be, may not be close to where relatives um kids live. Hmm. So thinking about which locations are going to be most suitable for the family to ensure the maximum level of contact um, that everyone's going to be comfortable with is definitely a good starting point. Um, So you will often find that um, in busier, more built-up areas, there's increased interest in facilities, so sometimes um, that can contribute to longer waiting periods. But it's really important when you go to those facilities, not to just look at what's out the front, but actually ask if you can have a tour. If possible, bring along what we know as a support plan or an aged care assessment, often known as an ACAD, Mm. along with you as well. So then what that can do is help uh, the... The, the facility understand if there might be any specific conditions, um, particularly health or medically related, that might 
be best suited or maybe not so well suited to that particular location. When it comes to to wait lists, mm. it's it's it can be sometimes a great indicator of popularity, um, and it can often speak volumes, I guess, in regards to people who have experienced the service and they've heard this facility is great, so a lot of people express interest. But when it comes to things like the wait list and how long will it take, this is often a question that gets asked at our Demystifying Aged Care Information Seminars. When people say, well, listen, I've if I get on a waiting list and I've been on that waiting list for four or five years, surely that will mean uh, I will get priority placement into uh, into." an aged care facility, but it's mm. not always the case. And often the example I use is one that of if you've ever been to a GP and your appointment's at 10.30am and you diligently arrive at 10.15am and you wait your turn, it's 10.40, it's 10.50, and then somebody basically arrives in well after you and gets seen before you. And this can be frustrating, but behind all of that, often it's about the immediacy of the need. Mm. So... Length. Triage. They're being triage. Correct. Exactly right. So, so the length of time that you've in, you know, you've been on a wait list is not always going to be directly representative to some level of priority. Yeah. And and that's the reality. So, that's if you think it. about it in that GP example, it is going to be based on those with acute needs that um, have expressed interest in going to that facility will be prioritised. So, But then again, it's still smarter to be on the list sooner rather than later? Oh, absolutely. And uh, and I think that's, that's really taking a step forward um, in being prepared and also being familiar with the site. An opportunity to meet the staff that work there can be really helpful as well. And uh, I know chatting to you before, you've mentioned the what I'd call the bush telegraph. In other words, getting feedback from just the, your network of relationships about how this place is. Yeah, very much so. And I think it's something that we're... Everyone's quite used to doing, aren't we? We often mm. we're used to asking for recommendations and what experiences yeah. have been like, particularly with service provision with a product. It's um, quite tactile; you can you can try it out yourself immediately. Yeah. But with service, quite often that that experience happens over time. And I think that's because I know often if you're having a coffee, you know, how are things are. Oh, well, I'm trying to find a place for my mum, uh, mm. people will just volunteer opinions then based on their experience. Another question for you, mate. Uh, this one comes from Terence, who was one of the many listeners who emailed us wanting to know about the financial aspects of moving into residential aged care, especially if you're on an aged pension and don't have any major assets. So could you tell us what it costs to move into aged care and what government funding is available and how do people with little or no assets afford what we hear can be a sizable bond just to move in? Mm. It's it's this question is is surprises me to, from the perspective is how often it comes up, and there are a lot of people that attend our demystifying aged care seminars that have literally spent sleepless nights wondering whether they will actually be able to be how um, have access to residential aged care because of their financial situation. A lot of people will say, I'm not sure that I can afford to. Now, the great news is that every single Australian will get access to residential aged care. And the next question usually is, well, how much is it going to cost me? Now, my response to that 95% of the time is your own financial situation is going to be uh, what 
is determined for the fees that you're going to pay and also potentially a bond or what's known as a refundable accommodation deposit. It's better for us to be able to get an understanding of that financial situation by having an initial discussion with you. And then quite often the um, Centrelink and, and My Aged Care are actually going to be able to give you a clearer indication around what capacity uh, there will be of expectation to pay a bond or a fundable accommodation deposit or any of the other associated fees with residential care. It sounds to me like the one message here is if you don't have a lot of assets, don't think, oh, I shouldn't get in touch. I can't afford it. I don't get in touch. Put the situation before someone like you. And then someone can say to them, "Okay, here are your options." In the, you know, obviously you've mentioned the government website as well, but it seems like really helpful to have someone just get you through it. Very much so. And when we created the mystifying aged care information sessions, more or less at the same time, we developed our um, our approach for our customer engagement consultants at Baptist Care, and those individuals are really are there to provide this individualised support and assistance for your situation, and it's a one-to-one interaction. These interactions will happen in your home or over the phone, whichever you prefer, and the customer engagement consultants can really advocate for you and help guide you through this process because it is one that can be very confronting and confusing. I know myself, when my dad went through uh, this process, and it was before I worked in aged care, and it was a very, very difficult time. Russell, you may be the boss, but you've got to work sometimes. And we've got a question for you from Susan. She she reached out to ask about the activities available to residents living in residential aged care. She says, my mother has always been very well connected to her community socially. We're worried that she won't be able to continue her lifestyle should she move into an aged care facility. So what sort of activities are there? So, Graham, as I said at the start, this is all about the individual. So the first thing we'll do um, with Susan's mother when she joins us is ask her what her interests are and and see how we can maintain that social connection with the community. But we also offer on a daily basis a variety of other activities within the facility that she can join or not join to her choice. And we do everything from artworks to gardens to men's sheds, um, probably not for Susan's mother, but but Susan's father, um, right through to visiting concert groups, musicians. Um, there's outings in place in one facility. We had a whole lot of uh, vintage motor cars show up and all the residents got to sit in the cars and go for rides. It really depends on their interests. Fantastic. And and I must say something that having just ticked over 50 years of marriage and I'm amazed and relieved to say Merle seems to want to stay with me. And Jim and Anne have emailed to ask if we're thinking about moving into residential aged care but we want to stay together. Do residential aged care facilities offer couples accommodation? And will we be able to continue to share a room and a bed like we do at home? And what sort of things can we bring from home? Can we decorate our room of an aged care facility with our personal touch? So let's start with the couple's rooms and we'll get to the personal touch at the end. Mm -hmm. A number of facilities do offer couple's rooms. Not all facilities do. And, And quite, as you could quite imagine, they're in high demand. So there is options in facilities and it's about checking out the facilities beforehand and seeing what's there. Sometimes sharing a room 
and sharing a bed is important and possible. Other times, it's not always possible, depending on the care needs of one or both partners. So sometimes they may well share the room, but have to be in different beds. And sometimes it may be even be the preference of the partners to have separate rooms. And in some cases, for one partner, it might give them more respite. So it's all about your personal circumstances and talking with the facilities as you're going in and checking them out, as Duncan mentioned earlier. In terms of decorating rooms, absolutely. We encourage everybody that comes into our facilities to personalise their spaces because it is their room in their new home. It is a room and an ensuite in in a home. It's not a big home. So the, the space that you have is a lot smaller. But quite often, bringing things from your home in makes the environment home quicker for someone. And so we really encourage people to do that. Michael's emailed in to say, I've been looking into applying for home care, particularly now that I'm no longer able to do some of the more strenuous tasks around the house. I'm wondering what sort of flexibility exists when it comes to home care packages. For example, I already contract gardeners and they do the mowing and stuff. Can I keep them? Yeah, it's a great question. The home care package and the delivery of it is all about choice and flexibility for you, for you, the customer. So at Baptist Care, our goal is to really support you and keep you as safe and as and, and at home as long as possible. So we do actually use quite a lot of external providers. So in this circumstance, Michael, there's every chance that we can continue to be able to engage with your gardener and have that gardener still deliver services through your home care package. So that's a bit of good news for you. It is very good news. And mate, another one that I know you'll hear all the time is from Tom. Now, Tom's wife, Beth, has dementia. Obviously, they want to stay home together as long as possible. And then he puts in his email, as Beth's carer, I feel a bit guilty about saying this, but sometimes I need a break. I hear that a lot, so you must hear it much more often. So... Is it too early to apply for home care, asks Tom. Listen, I'd always recommend people to, it is far better to start researching your options sooner rather than later. It's um, it's something that we, you know, I think as, as Australians, we say she'll be right um, until it's not. And then when it's not, we want to get an outcome immediately. So I'd really encourage people to, to, if you are starting to have these thoughts, they're the greatest indicator, they're the greatest sign that, that's the time to start doing action. That's the time to start reaching out and asking questions and and talking to the customer engagement consultants we have here at Baptist Care or speaking to the government through My Aged Care. If you're having the thoughts, that's the signal. Okay, 24-hour care is the next thing we want to focus on. Cindy was one of many who asked about this. She says, since my mother has developed dementia, sorry, since my mother has developed dementia, I always worry that if she were to go into a residential... (coughs) See, if a word's got more than two syllables, I mispronounce it. If she were to go into a residential aged care facility and something happened during the night uh, while those caring for her are sleeping, what would be the situation. So do residential aged care staff work during the night? Are there enough staff are there enough staff to cover the night shift so that if something were to happen to her, I think it's happened to me, if something were to happen to her, uh, then I can rest assured that she will be looked after appropriately. My my apologies Cindy, but I think what you're saying is my mum going into aged care, if, if there was a crisis in the night, would she be adequately, would she be safe, Russell? 
And the answer to that is yes. So residential aged care services are staffed seven days a week, 24 hours a day with upright, fully awake staff. What you'll find in is we run usually over three shifts. There'll be more staff on during daylight, daytime shifts and into the evening up till about nine or 10 o'clock at night. And then our staffing numbers will reduce slightly overnight. There will always be nursing staff scheduled on and there'll be care staff to support them. So if, if there is a medical issue happen overnight or something happens for, for your mum, there is clinical care on site. And typically what we do is we bring the increased hours or the increased staff back on site before people start to wake up. So people are starting shifts at about 5.30 in the morning and they are with the residents as they start to wake up and, and work with them there. I, yep, I hear that. In fact, my uncle passed away in a Baptist care facility and uh, his journey began late at night and it was exactly as you found out. The nurse on duty was there, the doctor was called, we were phoned and uh, yeah, it was very, very adequate care for the situation that he was facing. Uh, and in fact... Um, Maria and others have come through with another question, which I think is really central. She says, I suffer a few different illnesses and I've had injuries in the past, but this has meant when I use carers, it becomes exhausting to have to explain everything to a new carer every time a new person shows up. Will we have the same carers come to help and will they already be aware of my medical history? Duncan. At Baptist Care, we are different in that we have a dedicated hub team that coordinate all of your care needs. We really go about listening to expectations and communicate openly, discussing realistic options with our staffing. Now, our team build a step-by-step care plan for our customers. Our staff will refer to this when commencing the shift, so this can often contain things around your medical history. We do try our utmost best to provide consistency with staffing, but as you know, Graham, many people can call in sick and take leave, so we do need to spread the work out a little. Okay, and Thomas, along with several others, emailed in with questions around the types of programs available. Specifically, what exactly is the difference between the Commonwealth Home Support Program and a home care package? And how can I tell if I'm eligible for these? The Commonwealth Home Support Program, or often referred to as CHSP, provides for entry-level care with a small out-of-pocket fee for simple things like domestic, gardening and maybe even transport. Home care packages, on the other hand, provide a higher care needs such as personal care services, nursing staff, allied health and lots more. Louise has asked, my mother has been my father's primary carer for the past six years. Along with looking after things around the home, she's always by his side. Although it brings her joy to care for him, same theme coming up again here, we agree she needs to take some time to herself and have respite. What types of, res- what t- types of respite are there? And can we access respite without being a current customer? Okay, we have a few different options with respite. You can use respite through your home care package for short-term relief. This may also be called social support. Our care partners can come into your home during the day and either provide support in the home, so your mum can go out for a few hours, 
or take your debt out whilst your mum has a rest. The other option is through residential care. Now, depending on our availability, we can offer a minimum of two weeks respite stay, and this will involve, obviously, 24-7 care. If you are on a home care package, you can utilise the shorter term respite, as mentioned before, within your allocated funding through your provider. So you don't need to be a current customer for for longer term residential respite care. You will need to have an aged care assessment or, as I said before, ACAT with a respite referral code to gain access to care in our facilities. Okay, now, uh, Duncan, you have a gift of being able to put things clearly and logically, but Russell, I mean, my eyes are now spinning in opposite directions because we've heard about ACAT assessments, home care packages, Commonwealth programs, uh, Commonwealth home support programs. So I see why you call it demystifying aged care. Uh, how, if somebody's thinking, look, I really do need, I've listened to this, there's a lot I need to know, and I need to know it sooner rather than later, as Duncan said. Where do we start? How do we find out? Well, there's two places you can go. Uh, one is uh, to the My Aged Care website, and that will give a whole lot of information to you and, and, and get you started in the aged care journey. You can do that either by clicking on the website or ringing a number that's listed on the website. But sometimes that's a little bit confusing. So we always suggest to people to, to go to www.baptistcare.com.au and click on the link uh, there that says Demystifying Aged Care. And one of our customer engagement consultants will be happy to chat with you and answer all your questions and take the confusion out. And that's not to pressure you to choose your particular service over someone else? Not at all. It's about demystifying because that, for, for us, is the first issue. We've got to take the confusion out. And once we've got confusion, people can make choices that suit them. And that may not be with us. It might be with any other provider. And I hope this podcast might prompt you to start now to go to that website or indeed to the government website and begin to sort out the way forward for you. Huge thanks, Duncan and Russell, for joining us today to provide this information. And we'll be back again soon with some more demystifying aged care. But in the meantime, if you'd like information about anything you've heard on today's show, visit the show notes where you'll find useful links to additional resources and information. You can go back over it at your leisure. We always love receiving your questions, as I've been saying. So if you want to reach out with more questions or comments, email us at podcast at baptistcare.com.au. That's podcast at baptistcare.com.au. And finally, If what you've heard today is enjoyable and helpful, then please subscribe to Demystifying Aged Care at Apple Podcasts and feel free to leave us a five-star review because that will help others to discover this resource. I'm Graham Mabry. Thanks for your company. Goodbye and God bless.